This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to this week's special edition of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and you may have seen our recent article titled Second Wave of Retail Bankruptcies Expected in Canada Amid the COVID-19 Pandemic. Now, in the article, David Ian Gray, who's the founder and strategist of Dig360 Consulting in Vancouver, was quoted at length. So Retail Insider's very own editor-in-chief Craig Patterson had a one-on-one interview to dig deeper into this article with him. So we quickly wanted to mention one of our advertisers, Peregrine Acorn, as they've shifted their BC facility from fabricating store fixtures to building plexiglass shields to protect our grocery store workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Visit them at peregrine.build for more information. And without further ado, let's hear how Craig and David's interview went. This is Craig Patterson, Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and we've got a guest today, David Ian Gray. He's a founder and retail strategist at Dig360 Consulting Limited. It's located in Vancouver. Uh, we're having a bit of a discussion here around retail and COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, and uh, what uh, is happening in the Canadian retail industry at the moment and uh, what's potentially to come. There's a lot to discuss here, and we'll try to uh, keep it relatively brief. So thank you so much for being a guest here. David. Well, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what was happening in retail in Canada before this uh, all came down. Yeah, it's funny you asked that. I don't remember easily what it was like then, even though it was only a few weeks ago. Um, But basically, we were coming out of a uh, continued evolution or uh, de-evolution of retail where, you know, online and and um, global brands were coming into the market while sort of legacy, long-standing Canadian-based retail was at times disappearing and, and uh, were being digitally disrupted. But it was all, you know, sort of a, a, a game that was getting played out over time in, uh, in, in phases, and then suddenly it changed. Mm-hmm. And the timing of this, though, couldn't be... Um, maybe worse because we know that the Christmas holiday, the holiday season in Canada was not a great one. And so most retail that really depends on that on November, December to make their year uh, coming out of that, you know, feeling a little jarred and rocky. There's not a lot of time between those results coming in and the typical lull that happens at the start of the new year. And then this event happening. Yeah, yeah. In uh, Retail Insider, I did a count and uh, we found that over 1,000 retail store locations were set to close permanently before the end of March. And that was before, again, this whole, uh, you know, COVID-19 thing happened. And, uh, you know, that in itself was quite concerning. I think we were already going down a road which was, uh, you know, going to be challenging for retailers. And this is just been made it so so much worse um now and we, now that we've come to this point where we've seen most stores close in canada except for of course what we might deem essential retail which you know is grocery pharmacy and a few other categories uh, um what are we seeing around uh, some of the challenges that retailers are going to be facing uh, financially and otherwise uh, as there's you know essentially a shutdown except for e-commerce yeah so we're in sort of what i would call a first phase of what's happening and that's uh, we're calling that triage, but basically it's crisis management right now. Um, we're going to go through some other phases 
you know, we're not going to switch the lights on and then everything's good to go again. There's going to be phases to this, but right now we're in, you know, emergency crisis and uh, it's affecting, I would say, every single aspect of the business. Mm-hmm. Even online is getting impacted uh, either because there's a demands that, you know, in, for some organizations they haven't faced before in terms of fulfillment and delivery. And, uh, you know, in other cases, uh, supply chain was affected because don't forget this, this began in China and Asia before it reached us. And over there, they were going through this kind of isolation mandate. So factories were, uh, were vacant and distribution centers were vacant. So there's a whole sort of knock-on effect around supply chain that was going on. And then on our side, um, from the consumer end where only necessities are really anyone's interest right now, and their source of obtaining those are quite limited and tend to be the bigger players. Um, so, you know, like independents are really being left by the, the side of the road. And, and uh, if you're into discretionary items like home furnishings, you're, you're, even if you're online, I don't think you're going to be seeing a lot of activity. So mm. from the demand point of view, all the way through every, you know, uh, you've covered very well the rent issue, but the real estate side of the business, understanding how rent is going to affect when there's closures, um, store ops, uh, staffing, you know, there's been layoffs. Uh, and then for head office workers, it's working from home, like mm-hmm. every other industry. Uh, marketing, you know, what are you talking about right now in, in your messaging? Are you messaging? Um, all you just, you pick any aspect of the business right now and there's got to be a checklist of, of what do we do? Yeah. And um, I, we, we had an article in Retail Insider. You talked about the final phase, um, if we can call it final, is the adapting phase. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, well, I think, I think there's sort of this triage moment that I, I, you know, the metaphor would be triage being a medical term, I guess, but you're in this sort of crisis and you're just trying to parse through what's going on. What do we have to do today in the next hour, the rest of the day, tomorrow? And then there's another bit of intel that comes in overnight or the next day. Um, So it really is hyper in the moment right now, but this will phase out a little bit as, uh, as those checklists are, are taken care of and then not as much change happens day to day. And we'll start being able to look at what we would call um, assessment. So it's really then being able to breathe a little bit and step back and say, okay, let's look at the health of our business. And I can't put a date to these things. It's more like phases that I know will happen. And Mm -hmm. that assessment phase, the longer the isolation that we're going through happens, um, the, you know, the, the more dire that health check is going to be, but there'll be a, an assessment phase a little ways out. And then what do we do right now? You know, how are we going to get customers back is really going to be the question at that point. How do we start generating revenues again? Um, and by the way, Craig, I think one thing that's really interesting is when the lights go back on and they will, you know, there'll be an announcement, the stores will be allowed to open again. You know, people will be no longer isolating. Mm-hmm. In that moment, there's going to be quite a surge for a few days on, I think, across most categories on demand. 
be it retail therapy or be it just, hey, it's seasonal now, it's spring, uh, just a build up. And there's going to be a, a big demand surge, but I don't think that's going to be long lasting. But I don't know how many retailers might be ready for that or prepared, you know, with inventory and so on. But as we get past that, we'll settle into a new normal. And I don't want to predict exactly what that is, but it's going to be different than than prior to this happening. And that's where, you know, there's a settling and retrenchment adapting to what that new normal might be. And, and really, in some cases, maybe more dramatically rethinking the business, either on the inside around resilience, um, or maybe it's around adapting to consumers going online. I don't know. Do you think, um, I mean, this is maybe even an obvious question, but consumers will be a bit more paranoid uh, moving forward, I guess, about their, you know, physical interactions, uh, given, you know, that our, you know, psyche is being affected by the emotions that we have right now, which is, you know, stay away from people, stay away from stuff, don't touch anything, wash your hands, etc. Um, uh, this is going to potentially have a profound effect on the consumer even longer term. Yeah, it's funny. I teach a consumer behavior course and uh, just recently before this was happening we're reviewing you know we often think about the logic mind of the consumer you know the the logical search uh, but a lot of consumer behavior is much more visceral and it's either learned behavior or reactive behavior with an emotional content uh, component to it I think you're right And, you know, some of it we can speculate on. I think we're going to learn to adapt to ordering um, home deliveries. More people who haven't been doing that in the past will be doing home deliveries of food, grocery. That's the learned aspect. But I think you're right on the emotional front. And I kind of wonder, what's kind of interesting about this, if you really get imaginative, if families are kind of grouping at home more and getting past that sort of initial fear and then by the way there's going to be a phase of boredom don't you know it may be already hitting some people and that that may tie into some online shopping i don't know but i think people start to get to back to maybe a bit even though the computer's in front of them what i'm hearing from people is they're going a little bit more analog like they're just they may if they use the computer it's to have a zoom party or whatever it might be but i think we may start making human connections again uh, maybe our appetite for trying every new brand, every new um, you know digital product that's out there, we may we may lose some interest in it, or we may gain more. I don't know, but I I, I would agree with you on the um, on an enduring change to the consumer psyche to some degree coming out of this. I, I would agree hundred percent. And the dreaded uh, possibility of uh, a second wave or, you know, a mutation or, you know, a reinfection of the population. This uh, is a scary reality as well, is that, you know, we may be able to sort this out uh, in the shorter term, but long term, uh, you know, we may see uh, continued infections, which would, you know, further, you know, affect everyone, potentially cause deaths and, and you know, further imp- uh, impact the economy. Yeah. And I think the economic impact, um, you know, we need to touch on also because, um you know, there's a pragmatic side to this. We're doing all these actions to, uh, you know, to prevent the harm, the direct harm from the virus. Uh, but we're economically, I can't even wrap my head around all the ripple effects around what's going on right now. And there's already layoffs happening. Um, you know, I wonder even for retailers when they turn the lights back on, be it a few weeks or a month, whenever it is. 
are they going to have all their people ready to go again? Or will they have lost some? And, um, and the fear, so there's the fear you're talking about and and the emotion around the virus epidemic, but there's also this long-term where people have lost jobs or maybe they were laid off for a little while and brought back, but it really shakes, shakes your confidence. Mm-hmm. People's savings that were tied up in the stock market, it's kind of crashed. So we're, and we're hearing a lot of talk about recession. So I would imagine consumer confidence, and I haven't seen the recent numbers, but coming out of this, they're going to be pretty low for a while. That would make a lot of sense. Um, absolutely. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, retail chains. Uh, I mean, I'm not convinced that this will be over in two weeks uh, or even two months for that matter, not to be, uh, uh, you know, catastrophizing anything, but uh, independent chains, or sorry, independent retailers versus chains. Um, what do you think the fallout is going to be if this continues for an extended period of time in terms of, you know, store closures and consumers being, uh, uh, you know, apt to, you know, stay indoors and stay away? My, uh, most of our business is chain retail. I mean, almost all is. However, I've always said every, every chain began with, um, with one store. You know, one of our associates, Rick Bohonas, started Urban Bar, and he has so many amazing stories about he and Craig Stewart's first store in uh, City Square Mall in Vancouver, just as a little anecdote. And the point is, if we, if we project out, independent retail is critical um, as the basis for the next wave of, of bigger retail. But even more importantly, it is so entrenched in the fabric, uh, fabric, uh, sorry, of our streetscapes, right? Our, our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And in one fell swoop, I, I, I'm really, really super worried for, for the indie retail. The, these are the, the people who the owners are very involved in the business. That's their source of income. Well, they're not getting, small business owners are not getting a lot of protection with the, uh, with the bailout. Secondly, mm-hmm. Uh, they don't generally have a lot of cash reserves, and so they're you know they a good one can last a couple of months, but they're not going to be able to make it through um, the just the economic devastation without help. And I don't know if there's a lot of help out there. And the, the whole the landlords are going to have to, for their own benefit, get on board with this. But there's a lot of landlords who are also mom and pop building owners who are older and they need the rent. So it's a bit of a mess, Craig. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had quite a few emails from retailers and they are absolutely furious with landlords right now because landlords in many cases, not all uh, things are starting to change, but a lot of uh, you know, even the larger landlords are saying, well, your rent is due on this date and you owe it. And, and that's the way it is. Um, you know, insurance isn't covering acts of God or force majeure. I'm going back to law school, trying to remember if that's, I think that's the term, um, you know, and, and I mean, you're right. I mean, it, landlords could stand to lose a substantial number of the retailers that are within, say, their shopping center properties or on, you know, a street front, uh, depending how that's set up or big box. But uh, um, this could lead to uh, incredible vacancies uh, in retail space across the country. And I think that's quite concerning. I would hope that landlords, you know, that are listening, maybe read our article from last week as well, saying that, you know, there needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, give and take here. I mean, retailers are shutting their stores down and paying their employees, which is incurring, you know, an extra cost, which could be quite substantial. And having rent on top of that uh, potentially could sink quite a few of these retailers. 
Well, Craig, I, I know you have one of the top readerships and listenerships in, uh, in Canada within the industry. And I, I, I had a pet issue for a number of years, which is to try and encourage and foster far more collaboration between landlords and tenants because the retail disruption that's taking place is affecting all of us, you know, all, all parties to the retail system. And uh, I saw I saw sort of a, a positive where we could put the, the lease negotiation aside and really kind of deal with common ground on disruption. And I, I think in many of the major landlords, the, the big ones were, you know, speaking very encouragingly about trying to open up that dialogue. And I'm very disappointed right now because I know they have their own pressures and they, their pension funds and so on. But even the optics of not being seen to be caring um, is going to be so harmful for, to the long-term relationship. And I can't imagine coming out of this being able to co-create and collaborate well um, while there is a sense of, hey, we're looking after ourselves, you're on your own as a tenant. And I, I like to think behind the scenes there might be more going on, but I'm calling on them to make a very public statement of support with something meaningful behind it. Um, you know, if you lose a, a whack of tenants, uh, you're, you're not going to fill those spaces. You know, maybe Yorkdale might, but a lot of other malls are not going to fill the spaces quickly. So let's work together. And uh, um, I, I share, and I share your concern, especially around independent retail and, and neighborhoods and streets. It was, for uh, for a number of years, I argued against the notion that there was a retail apocalypse. Like I, I hated that term, and there was retail change and evolution, but we were going through it. It wasn't a wiping out of retail. What we're talking about on this uh, podcast right now is potentially a massive wiping out of a lot of retail. I mean, that really is an apocalypse. So, I, I, yeah. yeah, everyone should be pretty concerned right now. No, I agree. I, um, I I was very hesitant to use the term retail apocalypse. In fact, I was an advocate against it <laughs> for, you know, quite, quite a while, given, you know, the positions I've had, you know, with, you know, University of Alberta, with Retail Council of Canada. Um, you know, we were saying that retail was changing, but this is quite apocalyptic, you know, potentially. And I don't, even with, you know, government support, bailout support, you know, and other, uh, you know, avenues to help, I think that we're going to see many retailers, uh, you know, by the summer go bankrupt. And this is going to be really, really, you know, unfortunate for the country. I mean, this, this is pretty much unprecedented, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a bit about, um, you know, the travel sector and tourism. Um, you know, you're in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, you know, especially those fancy stores you see down on Alberni street and the side streets, uh, you know, a lot of luxury stores there. Uh, uh, you've got the stores in Gastown, uh, you know, that really do cater to tourists, say coming off the cruise ships, which is not happening right now. Um, the, tourism retail sector which is really important to cities like you know vancouver places like say banff and whistler um yorkdale shopping center in toronto and bloor yorkville where i live uh you know and to, and to lesser degree other parts of the country that are tourist based um what do you think is going to uh, happen around uh, uh you know retailers that uh, you know are, are looking to tourism especially as our borders maybe shut down for a little while here well i mean that that's a great example of how um as this unfolds, we can talk generically about retail, but it's really going to be different stories and different subsectors and pockets, right? Different regions and, and, and different categories. 
And this is a great illustrative example of how you got to break, break out retail into its parts. And I think you're, you're bang on to question that. I'm, there, I, I'm not a tourism expert per se, but I've been tracking what the experts in that sector are saying uh, because there is a knock-on effect uh, on retail, a big one. And what's coming out of that? We know that the cruise ship side of it, um, Canada, but, but around the world, the cruise ships are getting locked down, I think, until the summer, like past the start of what in Vancouver would normally be cruise ship season. But I kind of wonder how many people, like what, what a brand issue that is, right, as a, as a business category. And how many of the cruise lines will come out of this viable but how many, how many people are going to want to take a cruise? Um, although there's probably going to be some good deals, uh, in, you know, <laughs> out of it, right? And then, that's, right. That, that's just the cruise ships. Um, we're hearing about the struggles that the airlines are going through. And, and as, as travelers, you know, every trend is a counter trend. You'll probably see some people coming out of this period becoming even more hedonistic and maybe younger people will say, Hey, we might as well just live for today and they'll start consuming more. But I think the majority of people are going to be slow to return to travel. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then are the, is the infrastructure going to be there to support travel for a while? And um, the retail that depends on it, Vancouver is a good example. I'm based here. Um, a lot of that luxury retail really was driven up by local. Vancouver's not that big a city, really. And a lot of that was really predicated on uh, on wealthy foreign travel coming in. And uh, that's, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'm not sure what Alberni Street will look like uh, a year from now. Yeah, I mean, some of those stores were doing astronomically high sales. Uh, I had some of the sales numbers and I just thought that's, they're incredible. I mean, in terms of street front retail, definitely the highest in Canada. Um, I think that we will see some changes. I mean, airport retail, um, you know, Vancouver's airport has some tremendous retail. There's a Hermes store in there. Uh, I was just in the Toronto airport and they've got almost equally as much luxury retail now, as well as, you know, other uh, uh, retail offerings. Uh, all those shops were shut when I was going through the uh, the airport a few days ago. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, and now I just read something about on uh, one of the cruise ships, I think it was docked in Japan, they found 17 days later, um, even after, you know, people had disembarked, disembarked, I think that's the term, um, they found that 17 days later, they still found uh, the coronavirus uh, on surfaces they were they were testing, which is scary. Well, okay, well, now I want to interview you, but that's a lot of <laughs> podcast. Holy cow. It's, wow. it's kind of, it's, it's terrifying because, uh, you know, our consumer is now going to, you know, want to go on cruises. I mean, I've been on one and, you know, you're in fairly closed quarters. Uh, I don't, people can still smoke on cruise ships, but a few years ago they could, that shocked me. I had trouble breathing when I was walking in, in some of the common areas, uh, you know, and they're saying that cigarettes can, uh, you know, uh, you know, affect, you know, it can make a person more susceptible to this illness, unfortunately. So whenever there's massive change, there is truly, it's not just a, an Oprah statement, but there is truly um, a lot of opportunity and you were sharing with me earlier some of the things you've been seeing started to bubble up where um, retailers are repurposing their business to support this effort but I kind of think as we go forward there, there's going to be a lot of harm done but there's also going to be at the end of the day there's still a population that needs to eat and uh, be well and have wellness and clothe themselves and 
we're going to want to do things and we, we have a home to live in that we want to maybe even be more homey. Um, so I think, th I think there's going to be opportunities. I'm, I'm not, um, I just think it's a being able to, as a, as a so-called expert to pick winners, losers and how it's going to look in a year. I, I don't feel confident in that at all, but I do know the change that will come will bring, success to some and not others I, you know and i think i think there's going to be opportunities mm -hmm. we had a really interesting conversation last week about the future of retail leadership um traditionally those that have analyzed the industry have looked to past trends and have forecasted to the future uh that forecasting has kind of gone out the window at this point we don't know what's to come we can't rely on the past for the most part maybe a little bit but um tell me a little bit about what you think retail leaders uh, will need to have in terms of a skill set moving forward as we move into this new world? Well, this is the area of, of what's going on. And I have to say, I was interested in this prior to COVID, uh, but mm -hmm. I, it, this is really fascinating to me in terms of how we make decisions, how we organize ourselves and run businesses. And I think if we go back 20 years, the idea of siloed retail operations that were very linear and uh, very, let's call it lean, like continuous improvement, keep driving waste out. That was so well suited to what retail's environment was then. People talk about silos as being bad. Well, they're kind of not adaptive now when there's a lot of chaos, but when you know what's going on and it'll be the same in the next five years, silos make for very efficient work. So I don't, I'm less critical of the past, but here, you know, the last few years, we've already had to start looking at how can retail make better decisions, become more flexible, become more resilient. And then in the midst of all that conversation, we spent a lot of time with our clients talking about that. It hasn't always landed. And then right now in this moment, there's no choice. Like whoever is going to come out of this by definition cannot be simply saying, hey, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing, but we'll get our people to work harder. I mean, that's just nonsensical. So I think this is going to force a change. And I think the leadership of the future, um, there are other sectors. Like if you look at the technology sector, it's so Im embedded within it that they can morph and change um, as opportunities present and as the, as the environment presents. So I think uh, borrowing from outside and bringing ideas into retail on the inside, it's not just about the consumer changing. I think, I think the way retailers lead, organize, and work has to change. And I think resilience, uh, adaptability. And here's the sad thing if it's a retailer listening to what I'm saying. It's not either or. You know, it's and. You, you still have to be really good at execution and delivery. One thing I thought was really impressive I uh, was watching Loblaws and London Drugs out here and others really step up right now. And, and uh, you know, when retail's really on, uh, they can really execute and deliver in-store, online, whatever they have to do, they can get it done uh, with the resources at their disposal. The, the challenge that they've, all, they've had of late is how do they envision how that organization should be organized and what should their priorities be? And how do they how do they operate a less centralized model? So uh, I, I don't I guess I'm going to say I don't have all the answers to that, but I think that is one area that you're going to see a division between uh, those who succeed and those who don't within categories that should be working out. 
it's going to be some interesting times. Um, From a consulting point of view, you know, it's easy to, to sit here and chat and, and offer expertise, but A, th- this is unprecedented, you know, so, so none of us who are commenting, we're just doing the best we can with it. I'm more interested in how we're thinking through the problem than what the actual right answer is at the end at this mm-hmm. point. But the thing that really is of, of deeper interest to me is I also have a business. I'm a consultant. We're getting impacted by it. Um, and there's a pressure maybe to, you know, hunker down in my business, but I don't believe that's the right answer right now. And, uh, I was really impressed. Uh, there's a thought leader out of uh, Ontario, uh, Toronto, uh, Gary Newbury, who I think you interview from time to time, and he's pulled together uh, some other consultants, and we're sharing ideas. It's all open source. Uh, Jim O'Kamir in Chicago. I, I don't want to sort of name names. It's not fair, but I, I think this is a great time for everybody to um, be more open and just kind of think how can they serve and how can they support and we'll wor- you know, worry later about competing with each other and that sort of thing. And I, and I hope to see that uh, amongst the retailers as well. Um, right now that's what's needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think we need to come together and uh, get this sorted out and, and look to the future and, and hopefully have things uh back on track in the Canadian retail industry, however that will look in the next year. Um, these are kind of scary times. Um, we, you know, we, you and I have chatted, I've chatted with many others about the future of retail, how we were seeing things change. We were thinking there was going to be disruption. Uh, you know, the world was already on a pathway that was never going to look the way it was in terms of uh, the retail industry. We were looking to places like China, which, uh, you know, had advanced retail, certainly in, in the tech front and payment systems and whatnot. And uh, in some ways, COVID-19 could accelerate the rate of change and innovation in retail. I, I think so, Craig. And I think it'll force it. It'll be defined by it. And uh, my fear is people I know in the industry that were reluctant to move faster, um, you know, for whatever reason in in the past few years, their organizations may be uh, most at risk for obsolescence now. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day that will happen. We've got to remember too, there's a lot of human beings involved in this story and, and, uh, you know, there's no pleasure in talking about that. You know, these are these are people whose jobs are on the line, etc. But coming out of it, there's still going to be a lot of talented people. They'll reorganize in different ways, and there's uh, the entrepreneurial spirit will kick in. And I, it's actually going to be very interesting to see what emerges out of this, also. Yeah, it's a stay tuned type of situation. That's for sure. So thank you so much, David Ian Gray. You're the founder and strategist at uh, Dig360 Consulting, which is based in Vancouver. Uh, He's also a bit of a retail futurist. Uh, You've talked in the past about that as well and uh, a bit of a visionary as to uh, what's to come and what needs to be done. So thank you so much, David, for being on the show today. Craig, thanks very much. And uh, kudos to what you and your team are doing covering this, uh, this topic of late. Thank you so much. 